0: Our next speaker is Ben Vazina. Ben is a molecular and microbiology PhD student at Monash University, or Monash and CSIRO, studying chicken bacteria and how to kill them. He's just started his second year and he's still floundering for results. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben. Right, humans have been recording our history since about 5,200 years ago, but the Earth has been doing it much longer. 4.6 billion years, to be more roughly and accurately precise. Earth's notes are just as messy and incomplete as every functioning research alive today, and has had literally billions of years of record-keeping practice. You know, a lot of things have happened in Earth's history. Water, lava, self-replicating molecules, photosynthetic cyanobacteria, uh, oxygenation of the atmosphere, Dinosaurs, Velociraptors—the most important. The birth of Bill Murray, <laughs> Highland of the movie, and nationwide MBN rollout. No, wait, that hasn't happened. Um, the point I'm making is like an early Curie researcher's lab book. Earth's history is almost impossible to decipher. Then Nicholas Steno came into the picture. Steno had the right idea, it's just his timing was off, and time is exactly what Steno taught us about. The principles of superposition and stratification and fossil formation. But he took a bit of a different path than you might think. Initially schooled in anatomy, he moved to Italy Livorno in 1666, where he worked as personal physician for Grand Duke Ferdinando II di Medici. I don't even know what a Grand Duke is, I didn't Google it, but it doesn't matter. Um, Later that year, two fishermen. They caught a large shark, and the Grand Duke was notified. In response, he sent the head of the large cartilaginous fish to Steno. Now, I don't know what Steno was thinking, but if I got a large shark's head in the (laughs) mail, I would not have stayed around. But Steno did, and he studied it, and he realised that the shark's teeth actually match inland fossils. Where was I? So the fossils actually at the time were simply believed to have actually fallen from the sky or weirdly enough the moon and become embedded in the rock or simply replicas that had grown there in order to trick people. Um, But isn't that weird? The thing you love about, I love about science history is so crazy. Like some of the things that people believe, you know, the beliefs that are just perpetuated over time. Things like spontaneous generation, peptic ulcers being caused by stress and more recently... Uh, microarrays being the future of gene expression profiling. <laughs> People literally believe these things. Crazy. Although, you know, we're no different. I've been to, like, 200 years. They're going to be laughing at us for using uh, solar and wind power they fly around in their dilithium-crystal-powered TARDISes, <laughs> transcending both time and space. Now, although the shark teeth had been previously documented 50 years earlier in 1611 by Fabio Colonna, Steno correctly hypothesised that the organic molecules, or corpuscles, could slowly be replaced over time by inorganic ones while still retaining their shape or form. And I think that's really interesting because that is the fundamental principle behind fossilization, and he got it back then. Um, However, in another classic moment of synchronicity that science knows all too well, such as the Wallace-Darwin debacle, several others at the time were also postulating this, such as Robert Hooke, and even Leonardo da Vinci. Um, So sadly, he wasn't the first to come out with that. However, his future uh, contributions helped prove vital in creating the full picture. He wondered what processes actually caused these ocean-dwelling organisms to appear on land. And instead of using critical thinking, he just missed his light bulb moment and turned to the Bible for answers. However, (laughs) the good book provided the answers he was looking for. Shark's teeth appeared on land because the Great Flood had once covered that land in sea. That was actually right in that specific instance. This scientific genome <laughs> led him to discover one of the most important foundations that geology is built upon. The principle of superposition and stratigraphy, which i will come back to later. One year later, in 1667, he converted to Catholicism. He adjusted attributed fossils to once living organisms from periods long ago, which at the time was unpopular considering the ones in charge. Now Christianity was rampant in Italy throughout his life. Um, And the Catholic Church screened scientific books and uh, manuscripts, which essentially meant they could embargo anything that didn't fit within the uh, agenda of the church. Uh, It's because of this and also Steno's strong Catholic faith. He sort of had a cognitive dissonance between his beliefs and his scientific findings, most of which have actually been built upon today. So he spent the next few years travelling Tuscany as a physician, all the while taking down detailed geological observations of the land around him. Um, he, in 1669, he published his most influential body of work, his Prodromous Dissertation. This was a detailed, accurate and massive survey of the mineralogy and geological history of Tuscany. It was the first of its kind. Uh, and he outlined several novel observations, um, primarily uh, he discussed stratigraphy with a few basic laws. Firstly, that stratum is deposited upon a solid surface and fossils and fossils can be formed at this stage. Secondly, that stratum are lateral and, in general, horizontal. And that's due to gravity, which I'm sure you've all felt. Um, Thirdly, the law of superposition, which basically states that older layers are lower and the newer layers build up on top of them. And finally, the deviations from these rules are due to later alterations, such as earthquakes, thrust faults, and stampeding heartbroken 12-year-olds, thanks to Zane's recent departure from One Direction. he also correctly described how rivers shape hills and valleys via erosion by cutting into the landscape. He also correctly outlined how certain mount- different mountain formations are occurring via faults, erosions, and even described the formation of volcanic mountains. Another significant discovery of his was the law of crystallography. So the size and the dimensions of a crystal may change, but the angles between the faces remain the same, and that's dependent upon the crystal itself. So he did a lot of good work. However, towards the end of the Progemus He becomes quite tentative, and he spends it rationalising why it doesn't conflict with the story of the Bible, of which he believed to be true. So he therefore was trying to fit his theories of geology into a 6,000-year-old Earth time frame. Now, the geologists that followed him uh, roughly 75 to 120 years later, Hutton and later Lyle, uh, developed their understanding of geology using what we now know as deep geological time. So without truly capitalising and following up upon his monumental discoveries, Steno left the natural sciences, for priesthood of which he attained in 1675 then bishop in 1677. Uh, he worked tirelessly helping the needy and doing missionary work in northern Germany. He died in 1864 and was granted sainthood by Pope John Paul II in 1988. Um, I wrote a really not cool joke about the incompatibility of geology and the Catholic Church. Yeah, <laughs> Because Little boys are nothing like rocks. They shouldn't be prodded, cracked open, or experimented with. But I'm not going to tell it. Not going to tell it. Not going to tell it. You know, I, th- I think it's a shame that Steno felt a calling away from science because he had a very keen scientific mind. In three years, this guy created a novel scientific field, schooled in anatomy of all things. And I think that's uh, pretty amazing. He sucks at the man who discovered the principle of superposition, fossil formation and crystal structure was crushed by the church. He spent three years in geology, almost exclusively within Italy, and managed to get further than anyone else before him. His work was almost unnoticed, as it usually happens, for the next 50 to 75 years, and he helped pave the way for the father of geology, James Hutton, who primed the discoveries of Charles Lyell, who in many ways actually helped Charles Darwin form the theory of evolution. Um, This brief 200-year span, I think, was very fruitful in terms of earth and life science discoveries, and we only have these people to thank. I think Steno has been overlooked uh, even now, and I think he was ahead of his time. I think he would have absolutely prospered within science a hundred years later or in another place. He, I think he was a victim of his time period. Uh, now I'm just going to finish with a quote from Steno. Um, beautiful is what we see. More beautiful is what we understand. Most beautiful is what we do not comprehend. Now, I think this quote sums up what it means to be a scientist. To observe something interesting is great, but understanding it is better. But I think uh, best of all is trying to understand the things we can't even fathom, chasing the unknown and wanting to quantify the incomprehensible. And I think that's what it means to be a scientist. And for three short years, Nicholas Steno did just that. That's the end of the talk. I have a couple more jokes if you want to hear them or not. They don't really fit in. What is a Catholic geologist's favourite music? Christian rock, people. Uh, I've got a few penis strokes regarding an erection's placement on the Mohs scale of hardness. I've got one that says do not tell, so I'm not going to. And a Pope grand duke and geologist walk into a bar, and that's as far as I got. Thank you.